Take your Bibles this morning and turn to Jeremiah chapter 2. Jeremiah chapter 2. We're going to get there in a few minutes. I honestly, I had a completely different message that I was working on for this week that I was planning to preach. And then Friday came along and it was September the 11th. Today is September the 13th. It's just two days after 9-11. That was one of the most heartbreaking days in modern American history. And I started looking at, you know, watching some of the videos and, and started thinking about all of the things that, that happened on that day. Do you remember where you were when the Twin Towers were hit? I think everybody that was maybe seven, eight years old or older can remember exactly uh, where they were. I can remember it like it was yesterday. I was a freshman in college and I had just gotten out of one of my early morning classes and I was walking out the back door of the education building and um, somebody came in and said, did you hear that a plane just flew into the World Trade Center? Well, of course, everybody thought that it was an accident, you know? Nobody just flies a plane into the World Trade Center. Um, then the second tower was hit, and we knew that we were under attack. And I spent some time on Friday watching some of those videos, remembering the victims and the heroes, and some of that, some of it was footage that's never been shown before. You know, obviously we're 19 years past that now, and we've had time to kind of compile everybody's videos. And um, you know, it's just I listened to voicemails left by spouses telling their husband or wife what was going on and that they loved them, and you know, and that they were probably never going to see him again. And I listened to 911 calls from people on the upper floors that were interrupted by the towers collapsing. I was brought to tears just reliving the horror that these families faced. Can I share a video with you real quick to help you remember, Brother Josh? And do you remember Todd Beamer? He was the one that uh, was on one of the flights, or on the flight that crashed into Pennsylvania. He called his wife. He told her that he loved her. And before he hung up, he turned to the rest of the passengers and said, let's roll before they subdued the terrorists and brought the plane down in that field in Pennsylvania. We were shown so much footage that I can see in my mind's eye anytime I want to bring up the video, that's that second plane flying into the tower. And you could probably do the same thing. Most people, myself included, heard the name Osama bin Laden for the first time. Uh, we looked up where Iraq was. We looked up where Iran was. We were trying to figure out who Al-Qaeda was because we had never even heard them before. We knew we were going to war, and so many young men enlisted in the military uh, I, was in, I was in Bible college at the time, and I was, I was to the point where I was ready to go if necessary, and we were all wondering if they were going to institute the draft, and, and uh, kind of, uh, honestly, I hoped they would so that I would have an excuse to go. I mean, we were, we were at war, and they had attacked America on American soil. Uh, do you remember what happened after 9-11? Everyone got flag magnets, and they were on the back of cars everywhere. You couldn't find a flag in any store anywhere because they were just, they were bought up and as fast as they went onto the shelves, they were, they were right back off because people were putting them everywhere. They were lining streets in, in cities. They were uh, on homes. They were in businesses. They were uh, all over the highways and the, you know, the bridges and everything else. And everyone came together in a way that was unprecedented. There was no blue or red. There was no Democrat or Republican. There, were, there was no political fighting. We were all Americans and we were united. You remember that? Or have you forgotten? Yesterday's heroes have become today's villains. Perhaps it's because it's a younger generation that doesn't know about those heroes, but it may be that those who said they would never forget have. I suppose that's part of human nature. 
But in those days and weeks after those attacks, as we heard about the funerals for the 2,977 people killed in the attacks, we vowed, even if only within ourselves, that we would never forget. And as they recovered the bodies of the 343 firefighters, including one chaplain who was actually killed by a body falling from the sky that had somebody had jumped out of the World Trade Center, two paramedics that were part of the uh, fire department, as they recovered the bodies of the 61 police officers and the eight EMTs and paramedics from private e uh, emergency medical services, we promised that we would never forget. We promised that we would always remember. And we heard promises that were made that we would always stay united as a country. But sadly, I think America has forgotten. We're more divided now than we ever have been. In some ways, I think that's due to the leftist agenda that's pushing so hard to turn America into the very same country that attacked us. Socialist, communist, radical Muslims. They're pushing so hard to get us to that country. Just 19 years after they attacked us and killed so many people on our own soil. But the, maybe you heard about this. The New Jersey Turnpike just announced that they were planning to take down the flags that have adorned the bridges on the New Jersey Turnpike for the last 19 years. And there was a lot, there was a big uprising from the people who were taking care of those things and they changed their mind. But the fact that they were ready to take those flags down that were put up on 9-11. American flag is, is looked at as a hate symbol of, uh, uh, instead of a symbol of pride in the country that she represents. And athletes are kneeling in protest of what she stands for. By the way, I didn't see any athletes running into the World Trade Centers right. when the towers were coming down. Right. They were nowhere to be found. Oh, they were ready to talk about it after everything was over, but none of them were running into the buildings. American flag is being banned from T-shirts in schools, and she's being burned in the streets by the very people who only do it because that flag allows them the privilege and the freedom to be able to do that. The Star Spangled Banner is being replaced. Pledge of Allegiance is being rewritten. I hate to say it, but I think America has forgotten 9-11. She's placed that day in the annals of her history that's being rewritten at a faster rate than we ever thought possible. 9-11 has been relegated to a ceremony once a year to read the names of the victims that many feel just obligated to read. The patriotism, the pride as a, as a nation and the distinct honor that we felt at holding the title of American is slipping into embarrassment and shame. Though I say all that, that's not what the message is about this morning. As shameful as it is to forget what we felt on that day when those towers came down, when our nation was attacked, when we lost all of those heroes, I believe it is much more shameful to do what most Christians in America has done have done. We've forgotten who we are, forgotten why it is we are here. And I believe there's a direct correlation between the slide of America away from God in the Bible and the slide of churches into worldliness, into ease, into comfort, into apostasy. The only way that we're going to see America come back to God and see a revival, the only way we're going to see revival is in the churches. And in particular, to have Christians come back to God. I want to look at a couple things in the Bible this morning that should cause us to take a hard look inside and ask ourselves, have you forgotten? Have you forgotten? 
Let's pray and we'll look at a couple things this morning. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for this country. Thank you for everything that it represents. God, I pray that you bless the message this morning as we look at a couple principles and a couple verses from the word of God this morning. Pray that you'd speak to our hearts. Thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn, if you will, if you have not already, to Jeremiah chapter 2. The first thing I want to ask you is this. Have you forgotten your salvation? Have you forgotten your salvation? Do you remember how it felt when you finally accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior? Do you remember the burden that was lifted? Do you remember the feeling of guilt that was rolled away? If you're like me, the moment that you accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior was a wonderful moment. You thought you would never forget the feeling in that moment of accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior. Perhaps you couldn't help but tell everyone what had happened to you. I was five years old when I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I still remember it like it was yesterday. I won't describe the scene to you, but I can remember everything. And if I, I, I can just picture me sitting there on the back steps of the building after I walked out of a Sunday school class and asked the teacher to show me how to be saved. And I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I remember telling my parents that day after I got out of church, and I couldn't wait to tell them that I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. What a wonderful feeling that was. But the problem is we get used to that. And living the Christian life just becomes a, a daily thing, and our salvation slips away from something uh, that's special to something that's just average. We end up like those in Jeremiah's day. He said this in Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 32, Can a maid forget her ornaments or a bride her attire? Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. I did a wedding yesterday for a police officer and his wife. She showed up in her wedding dress. I can promise you that she wasn't going to just show up there wearing street clothes or whatever else. She's, she's the bride. This is her big day. She's not going to forget to put on a wedding dress. And that's what he's asking. Does a, does a maid forget to put on her makeup? Does she, does she uh, you know, can a maid forget her ornaments? Can a bride forget her attire? No, they wouldn't even think that's possible. And that's what he's asking, kind of a rhetorical question. Yet my people have forgotten me days without number. In other words, it just goes without saying that if you're saved, if you're a Christian, you should always remember what happened to you on that day. Sadly, that's how so many Christians live their lives. They're saved and they know they're on their way to heaven. And because they have that fire insurance, they live life as they please. They spend no time reading God's word. They spend no time in prayer. They spend no effort trying to live a holy, godly, separated life. They run after the world and they try to be like the world with all the zeal that they should be going after God with. And that they should be seeking holiness and righteousness with. In other words... They've forgotten their salvation. Turn with me, if you will, to Psalm 51. I believe the reason we forget our salvation mostly is because it stems from sin in our lives. Uh, do you remember the story of David's sin with Bathsheba? We're not going to take the time to go all the way through it, obviously, but he committed adultery with Bathsheba. He had her husband, Uriah, killed in battle. And I think David honestly went on living, with his, living his life as normal until the day that Nathan the prophet showed up and confronted him with his sin. And it was at that moment when David realized how grievous his sin really was that God opened his eyes and made him realize what his sin had done to him. And I, David's walk with God suffered because of his sin. And there's no greater passage on repentance than the one that David wrote in Psalm 51. But look with me at what he wrote. Psalm 51 and verse number 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. 
Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin, and blot out all my iniquities. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from thy presence, and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. And then he says this in verse number 12, Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation, and uphold me with thy free spirit. It seems that David's sin had caused him to forget his salvation. And in the process, he had lost his joy. Have you forgotten what a miracle it was that you who were dead in sins have been given a second chance at life, given eternal life, and have been made the sons of the King of kings and the Lord of lords? Have you forgotten your salvation? Let me ask right along with that. Have you forgotten where you came from? Turn over to 2 Peter chapter 1. The story is told of a young girl that accepted Jesus Christ as her Savior, and she uh, applied for membership in a local church. She had been saved, she had been baptized, and she wanted to join the church. And so uh, she talked to the pastor, and he asked her this question, were you a sinner before you received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Yes, sir, she replied. And he, and he said, well, are you still a sinner? And she said, oh, honestly, uh, to tell you the truth, I feel I'm a greater sinner than ever. That kind of took him back a little bit. I mean, obviously, if you're applying for membership, you're more of a sinner now than you were when you, before you got saved. He said, then what real change have you experienced? She said, I don't quite know how to explain it, except I used to be a sinner running after sin. Now that I'm saved, I'm a sinner running from sin. And she was accepted into that church for membership. She had, and she proved by her consistent life she was truly converted. The Bible says this in 2 Peter chapter 1 and verse number 3. According as his divine power hath given unto us all things that pertain unto life and godliness, through the knowledge of him that hath called us to glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that's in the world through lust. And besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue." and to virtue, knowledge, and to knowledge, temperance, and to temperance, patience, and to patience, godliness, and to godliness, brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness, charity. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind and cannot see afar off and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. See, one of the reasons we don't pursue holiness is because we forgot where we came from. Oh, many people have been saved for a long time. For me, I mean, I'm 37 years old. I've been saved for 32 years. Many of you who might even be older than me that got saved later in life have been saved for probably around the same time. And I'll tell you what happens. We forget the life that we were saved out of. Some, some were saved out of a wicked, horrible life. They were, they were drunkards or they were, you know, you name it, and God saved them out of those things. For me, I was never a drunkard. I was five years old when I got saved. It'd be pretty hard to be a drunk or, a, or an addict or something like that at five years old. But God saved me from all of those things. And what happens so often is that we forget where we came from. We forget what God saved us out of. We were in bondage to sin. We were in chains with no way out, with no hope, no chance at a pardon, no ability to do anything on our own to help our situation. But then came Jesus, and he died in our place. He broke down the doors to the prison, and he loosed us from those chains. We were in bondage to sin and Satan and death, and we have been freed. And when Christ saved us, he saved us from all of those sins that had condemned us to hell. How foolish of us to march right back toward the things 
that we have been freed from. Turn over to Galatians chapter 4 with me, if you will. Paul asks a question in Galatians that hits on that very fact. And I don't think you could say it any better than Paul said it in Galatians chapter 4 and verse number 9. He said this, But now, after that ye have known God, or rather are known of God, how turn ye again to the weak and beggarly elements whereunto you desire again to be in bondage? If you go to the page before that in Galatians chapter 3 and verse number 3, <clears throat> he says, Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Jesus Christ saved us. He pulled us out of bondage. Why would you be so foolish to go back to the things that kept you in bondage? That's what he's asking you. You've been saved by Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit lives inside of you. You've been saved through him. Why would you go back to the things that kept you in bondage before you had that freedom that was in Jesus Christ? Why would you go back to those things? But I'll tell you why. It's because we've forgotten where we came from. We've forgotten what we were saved out of. How foolish that we forget that we've been freed from all of those things. Why would we ever want to go back? A 12-year-old accidentally killed one of his family's geese by throwing a rock. He figured that nobody would notice they had 24 geese, and so he went out in the backyard and buried the goose. But his sister saw what happened. And as soon as he got done burying that goose and put the shovel away in the yard, and he kind of snuck around the other side of the house, and his sister was standing there. She said, I saw what you did. If you don't wash the dishes, I'm going to tell mom. Well, the boy did the dishes for days. He didn't want to get in trouble. And one day, his sister said, go do the dishes. And he turned to her and he said, you do them. And she said, I'm going to tell mom. And he said, go tell her. I already told her and she forgave me. I'm free again. Have you forgotten what you've been saved from? The devil's going to try to bring up your past. The devil's going to try to remind you of all the things that happened in your life and make you think that there's no point in even trying to live for Jesus Christ because of our past. But nothing could be further from the truth. In fact, it should make us want to live for Christ even more. It should make us want to sell out for Christ even more than we sold out to sin before he saved us. Think of what you gained when you accepted Jesus Christ. How could you ever forget and wander back into the world, or even worse, dive headlong into it? But that's the way that so many Christians live their lives today. They want to be like the world. We, we often become like the church of, of Ephesus in Revelation. It was a good church. They were commended in Revelation chapter 2 for all of the good things that they were doing. But he comes down to this point. It was such a sad thing that was written about them in Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee, he said, because thou hast left thy first love. The same thing happens when we forget where we came, on, came from. Shame on us for forgetting where we came from. But so many people say, I don't want to sin. How can I keep from doing it? It seems like I always fall to the same temptations. I'll tell you, we have to see sin for what it really is. We have to see God for who he really is. And if we see our sin as wicked, and if we see God as absolutely holy, then it should change our perspective. It should change the way that we bend and fall and, 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 and give in to temptations. But beyond that, we have to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Dale Moody, he was, he, he was a, a well-known evangelist in the late 18, early 1900s, preached to millions and millions of people, saw many thousands of people get saved. But D.L. Moody was speaking to a large audience, and he held up a glass of water, and he said, 
how can I get all the air out of this water, uh, out of this cup? And there was a couple of people in the audience. One of them said, well, you can put a pump on it and suck all the water out. He said, well, if I tried to do that, it would break the glass and I'd lose all the water. And different people in the crowd piped up and said different things. And then D.L. Moody pulled a pitcher out from underneath the podium, uh, the pulpit, and he dumped water into that cup until it was completely full. They said, the way that I get all the air out of that is to fill it completely up with water. And then he made the point, and he said, the way that we get sin out of our lives is to fill ourselves completely with the Holy Spirit. Fill ourselves completely with holiness. Fill ourselves completely with righteousness. Have you forgotten your salvation? Have you forgotten where you came from? Lastly, I want you to look at this in Mark chapter 16. Brother Sam kind of hit on this this morning already, but have you forgotten your commission? We're Christians. If we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then we are sons and daughters of the King. And he gave every single one of us a commission when we accepted him as our Savior. We see it in several places in the Bible, but nowhere is our commission more clearly stated, I believe, than in Mark chapter 16 and verse 15. There's no way around this. It's as clear as it can be. He says this, and he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's one of the reasons why we have missionaries that we support. I can't go to China. I mean, if God called me to go to China, I would, but he's called me here. I can't be here and in China at the same time. Many, other, many of us, God's not called us to go to China. There's no possible way that we can go and talk to 8 billion people ourselves, and so God gives us missionaries that we can support who will go and do that work. That's spreading the message around the world. But this is our world. This is our, our community. This is where we live. This is the world that God has called us to be an influence in. This is the world that God has called us to preach the gospel in. And one of the ways that we do that is by our life. The way that we live preaches louder than many times the things that we say. But we're told to preach the gospel. That means to tell, to proclaim. It's not just the preachers. Oh, well, you're the preacher. You're the one that preached the gospel. I'm going to preach the gospel from the pulpit. But that's not what that's talking about. That word preach means to proclaim. And every one of us are messengers of the king. If we're saved, if we've accepted Jesus Christ as our Savior, then that commission applies to every single one of us. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That means that there is no one in this world that we should hate so much that we're not going to give them the gospel. And there's Christians out there who say, well, that group of people, they don't deserve to be saved. I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to give them the gospel. I hope they die and go to hell. That's not of God. Give the gospel to every creature. That's our commission. There's a world outside of these walls that's dying without Christ, dying without hope. And many of them will never hear the gospel if we don't tell them. Many of them were just as we were before we were saved. Remember what that was like? If you got saved when you were a little bit older, you remember the burden that you felt. I was a young boy, I, I, as I told you when I got saved, and I felt the burden of sin. I knew that my sin was what was sending me to hell, and I didn't want to go there. And I wanted forgiveness for my sin. And I asked Jesus Christ to come into my heart and save me. I did that at an early age, so I didn't live life as a miserable person for all of those years until I got saved. But many of you have. You know the misery of living without Jesus Christ. That's what's going on in the hearts of so many people outside of the walls of this church. 
And it's great to be able to come in here and spend time in fellowship. It's great to be able to open up the Word of God. But our commission is outside of these walls. It's easy to talk about Christianity when you're in church. It's easy to carry on a conversation about the Bible. It's easy to, to sit here and listen and, and, and be excited about the things of God in church. But our commission is outside of these walls. The church is not a building. It's great to be able to meet in a building like this, but the church is not a building. We are the church. And the church dissembles and goes out into the community every single week. And it's your job, it's your commission to spread the message of the gospel. I'm not sure if we can blame it on forgetting our commission to win souls or if we often make a conscious decision, a conscious effort to ignore it. But Christians have dropped the ball when it comes to spreading the message of the gospel. You see what's happening in America. Why is it that there are so few that care about Christianity? Why is it that there are so few who care about going to church? Why is it that there are so few who, who care about the Bible? Why is it that there are so few who care that Jesus Christ died on the cross to save them? It's because Christians are not telling them. Christians are, have dropped the ball in getting the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. When it could, We come up with so many excuses. Why we can't be involved in church soul winning? Why we can't uh, go tell someone about Jesus Christ when the Holy Spirit prompts us to do that? It all comes down to exactly what we've been talking about, and that's holiness. If I'm going to be a witness for Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to be different than the world. And most Christians are not willing to make that sacrifice. If I'm going to tell others about Jesus Christ, I'm going to have to live like a Christian, and most Christians are not willing to make that sacrifice. Have you forgotten your own salvation and how it changed your life? Have you forgotten where you came from and where you're going? Why would we be so selfish that we're not willing to give up a little bit of worldliness, a little bit of acceptance by the world, a little bit of inconvenience, a little bit of popularity to share with others the message, the greatest message that's ever been given to humanity? Have you forgotten your commission? Soldier in the army, soldier in the military doesn't forget what his mission is. A police officer doesn't forget his mission. Successful business doesn't stray from its mission. And yet Christians, who have the most important job in the world, have forgotten, or maybe I should say ignored, the greatest commission that's ever been given to share the good news of the gospel. Oh, that God would break our hearts again for the lost that are dying without Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would be willing to get the sin out so that we might be used of God to see souls won to Jesus Christ. Oh, that we would spend our lives in service to the King of kings and to the Lord of lords instead of in service to ourselves. Two little boys had quarreled. So by the next morning, Johnny took his cap and headed down to Bobby's house. And as he was walking out the door, one of his relatives asked him where he was going. He said, well, I'm going down to Bobby's house. And he said, didn't you guys just get in a big argument and say you were never going to talk to each other again? Johnny kind of got this little sheepish look on his face. He dug his toe into the carpet for a minute, and he looked back up at the relative that had asked him that question. He flashed a little smile, and he said, well, you know, Bobby and me is good forgetters. And sadly, I think a lot of Christians are good forgetters. I, it's great to forget a quarrel, things like that, but the problem is we often forget the things that are the most important. We often forget the things that matter. 
What a travesty it is that America has forgotten the spirit of 9-11. What a disgrace that we have in a lot of ways dishonored those whose lives were taken that day. I don't know if we're too far past it or not, but it will be a great day when America will be united as a country again. We're defeating America from the inside. The enemy doesn't even have to do anything about it. We're defeating ourselves. But what I do know for sure is that we can see a revival again. I believe America has one more strong revival before Christ comes back. But revival only happens when something that was alive and has died comes back to life. And that's exactly what has happened with Christianity in America. We've gotten so used to living like the world. We've gotten so used to trying to appeal to the masses that we've become the masses. We're nothing different than the rest of the world. We're not offering them anything different when we are like them. And it doesn't make us any better than anybody else in the rest of the world, but we're saved and we've been given a commission to win them for Jesus Christ. And the way that we're going to win them for Jesus Christ is by showing them that being a Christian means something different in our lives. It means that I've been changed by Jesus Christ. It means that I have a higher calling than just being like the rest of the world. That's the state of American Christianity, lying dormant. And when we see churches come back to Christ and Christians really get right with God, then we'll see souls won for Christ again. Revival is not souls being won for Christ. Revival happens in the hearts of Christians. And then we get on fire for God. And then we get a desire to serve Him. And then we get a desire to please Him. And then we get a desire for true holiness and true righteousness and true godliness. And that burns a fire inside of us so bright that we cannot help but tell other people about Jesus Christ and people get saved. Revival happens in the hearts of Christians. And that spills out into the world that we live in. We no longer care about what people think about us. We no longer care about how we're going to get made fun of. We no longer care what happens as long as I'm pleasing and living for Christ. Unity in America can only happen when it's centered around Jesus Christ. And that will happen when Christians remember. Have you forgotten your salvation? Perhaps you've never had that salvation experience. Why don't you let somebody take the Bible this morning and show you how you can be saved? It's the greatest thing that will ever happen to you. But have you forgotten where you came from? Have you forgotten the wickedness that Christ saved you out of? Have you forgotten the wickedness that Christ saved you from? Has that caused you to march right back toward it? How foolish, Paul says. Why would you, after you've been saved out of all of that wickedness, march right back into it? Have you forgotten your commission to win souls? Who do you know that needs Christ? We all have people that we come into contact with every day. We all have people who are relatives of us that don't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. Have you forgotten your commission? When we sell out wholly to Christ, then we'll see this nation turn to Christ. Are you willing? Or have you forgotten? Father, we love you. We thank you so much for the privilege of opening up the Word of God. Thank you for the privilege of living in the greatest country in the world. 
God, I pray that you bring this nation back together. And I know that the only way that that's going to happen is if we see this nation come back to Christ. The only way we can have people that are promoting abortion, the only way that we can have people promoting homosexuality, the only way we can have people promoting all of these things that go directly against the Bible is because they have completely rejected Christ. And the blame, I believe, lies at the feet of the church. We're failing in our commission to win souls for Christ. And that, in turn, means that they're living and following their father, the devil. And, of course, he's going to promote those things. And they're going to speak louder. They're going to yell more. And it's such a shame because that's what we should be doing as Christians. So, God, I pray that you'd help us not to forget what you've done for us. pray that you'd help us not to forget where we came from. And I pray that you'd help us not to forget that we have a duty and a responsibility and even more than that, a wonderful privilege to be able to share the message of the gospel. I pray that you'd help us not to fail in that commission. God, that you'd give us a heart to completely follow you. That you'd give us a heart to completely live for you. That you'd give us a heart to want more than anything to be right with you. God, that our relationship with you would be what you want it to be with us. Speak to hearts this morning, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. If you will, stand at your seats with your heads bowed and your eyes closed. The piano is going to play a couple stanzas of a song. God's spoken to your heart. You can kneel there at your seat if you want to, but you can come to this altar. That's what this old-fashioned altar is all about. Getting things right with God. Nobody's looking around. This is between you and God.